Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vodacy Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore. And today I'm joined with another one of our successful short-term rental investors here to share their journey into the short-term rental investing game. And so today I've got Chris Ronchigan joining us and his wife, Jess Kenny, is not able to join us. She's with trying to handle the kids, which is a much more important uh, uh, task, I guess, right, than uh, than what we're, we're dealing with right now. We get to talk about a lot of fun stuff and, and Jess has to, the hard stuff to do, right, Chris? That's absolutely right, yep. Yep. Uh, how, how old are the kids, Chris? Uh, we got a six-year-old girl and an almost three-year-old boy. Okay, yeah, so she's... Uh, especially especially this time of day, they get a little loud, so it's, uh, she's got yeah. a range. That's awesome. They're fun though, right? That's a fun age. My kids, my tw- 10 year old twins and, uh, and uh, it just, it's always, yeah, there, there's all these fun ages, but I remember for me when they got to like that age where I could actually do stuff with them, like that was when it got really fun for me personally. Like my wife loved all the baby stages and everything. Teresa was loved the, every stage for me. It was like, okay, now I can go do stuff with them. And that they get that three, six, they're like, you can like go take them places and do stuff. And it's fun. Right. Uh, it's, it's that. And it's, uh, it's honestly, it's the stuff that comes out of their mouth. It's just right. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, man, listen, I, I really appreciate you joining us. These are my favorite podcast episodes that we do because we get a we get to dive in and just have a conversation about what your journey looked like. And um, you know, we always ask before the the these before we hit record, I always ask if there's anything off limits or anything we don't want to talk about. And and I love when the answer is no. Let's you know we're we're an open book. Let's let's talk about the journey because. It's a fun journey and you just got into it last year. We'll let you guys tell, kind of, we'll, we'll talk about the story, but there's there's always some challenges as well. And, and we like to talk about those in these episodes. And so really, really appreciate you joining us and uh, sharing your story with everybody else listening. But uh, as we start these, Chris, why don't you give us a little bit of a background of uh, where you and Jess are from? You know, we, we talked a little bit about the kids, kind of where, what, where you live, where you're from. And, and let's start with that backstory and then we'll lead into the, the short-term rental game. Uh, sure. So um, we live in, well, we live just north of Austin, about 15 minutes north of Austin. Um, my wife and I met in college up in UVM in Vermont, and pretty much since we graduated, we've been in Boston. Um, and we were in Boston proper for a number of years before, as we mentioned, the kids came along and uh, we kind of made the inevitable move back to the suburbs a little bit. But um, yeah, so we... Um, Living in Boston for as long as we did, it was awesome. Uh, we had a, our daughter, our six-year-old, was born there. We had a, we had a great condo. It was our, our first uh, you know, primary home that we bought. It was right in uh, right in Southie, uh, South Boston there. And it was a great spot. And, um, you know, that place did get a little small. It was a walk-up and trying to lug up, you know, the, the, the packing plays and the, you know, the strollers and all that type of stuff. It's the inevitable move to the suburbs kind of came up. And I, I bring it up because it kind of – without me realizing it kind of started our journey kind of looking towards, you know, investing in real estate because, um, you know, we had bought that place in 2010. Uh, the market had done well until we sold it in 2016. And we kind of were having conversations back then. Well, do we keep the condo as a you know, long-term investment place um, when we bought the place where we are now, just North of Austin. And, you know, ultimately for a number of factors, we decided not to. Um, you know, just wanted to go part-time, be home with the kids a little bit more. Uh, I had some stuff going on with an opportunity to potentially invest more in my business. And so 
wanting to kind of keep cash readily available and so we didn't do it. And I think probably within two months of deciding not to do it, we were kind of kicking ourselves, right? We were, you know, I was seeing what was going on in with, with the values in Boston. I was seeing what was going on with rents in Boston and just thinking to myself, oh man, I, I really missed the boat on that. I, it would have been tight for a short period of time, but we would have we would have figured it out and would have made it work. And so, you know, back then I was I wasn't thinking about investing in real estate. You know, I have a uh, I work in it's in the insurance field, but I work with financial advisors every day. Um, I have a you know pretty good handle on you know general finance concepts and things like that, but I I didn't know anything about real estate investing. Um, it was what really wasn't on my radar. And you know as much as selling that place, you know I kind of regretted it. I remember having a conversation with Jess probably over a couple of times saying, you know what, if we're going to own a couple of properties, I'd, I'd rather have the other one be like a ski condo, you know, that, that we can use, uh, our family can use and stuff like that. And that's kind of what got the wheels, you know, turning a little bit about, all right, well, maybe we do invest in real estate, but we do it a little bit differently. And I, you know, still, I had no idea how to do it, what to do or anything like that, but that kind of kickstarted our journey kind of down this road. Nice. So you sold, that was in 2016, started really thinking about it a few, few years later. Um, and then you're, you've got that finance background. You don't have that Boston accent. Where is, is Boston home? Boston must not be home, right? It's kind of home. I've lived in the greater Boston area longer than I've lived anywhere else. Um, I grew up in Connecticut. Okay. I grew up in Rhode Island. And as I said, we, we met up in uh, college at UVM. So, um, you know, we avoided the accents a little bit. But, uh, we've been in Boston for a long time and, um, it is what it is. So it is home. You're, you're definitely, we definitely claim it as home. I just was, I was just prying. I was like, you must not have like actually grew up there as a young. No, no. We, uh, we lived in Southie for whatever that was, uh, five, six years, but uh, we definitely didn't pick up the Southie accent. No. So it doesn't sound like any other, you, when you moved to Boston, you bought the, bought the condo downtown condo, you know, you, that was, that was right out of college, right? That was your first real yeah. um, acquisition as far as real estate. Oh yeah, it was the first acquisition. We had rented for a while, kind of okay. neighborhoods. Yeah, we were we were young. I think we were um, early thirties uh, when we bought that place. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was our that was our first foray into owning anything any kind of real estate. So once you sold it, you bought the next primary residence. You started thinking about okay, you know maybe I like this real estate game. Got the finance background. I really understand that world probably pretty intimately. I would guess and but not a lot on the real estate investment side. When you started thinking about it, did you like, was there a particular asset class? Did you immediately get attracted to short-term rentals or did you look at other asset classes and kind of weigh the options as far as what everything else um, could offer? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, that's, that's tough to answer. I'm not really sure kind of how it all came together, um, but like, yeah, I, so I, I did have the background in finance. I studied finance in school. I did a master's. And like I said, I, I talk to financial advisors every day. You know, I've got the 401ks and the Roths and things like that. And I got a brokerage account. So I was pretty well exposed to the stock market yeah. um, and uh, was comfortable there. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a day trader. I'm not sitting there in front of the screen all day and figuring out what to buy and sell. I've, I've always been very much a, a buy and hold long-term yeah. investor, right? Um and, you know, at some point in that time period, I know I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, I know that's kind of kicked up a lot of folks uh, into the whole real estate game. And I think it was maybe just the time of where I was in my life when I read it that it just kind of clicked, you know, and I was like, man, I, I can do this too. Um, so it got me thinking more about real estate. 
I've got some friends that are in the long-term real estate. They do well everything from fix and flips to long-term rentals and whatever. But it was it was really more just the idea that our kids were young. At the time, my daughter was young and my son was on the way. Um, I wanted something for us for our family that we could use. You know, we as a family, Justin and I love to ski together. Um, now we're at a stage that we love getting our kids out there to ski, and so. You know, it was, I guess it was probably short-term rental was the first one I really considered. Um, but I always kind of looked at it as like, all right, well, we'll do one short-term rental kind of for our own use and more as a way to offset that. So we yeah. could use the family, but maybe down the road, it'd be a portfolio of a few short-term rentals, a few long-term rentals, you know, just kind of depending on where this whole thing took us. But my, my immediate goal was, you know, looking at my young kids and knowing that we have a X number of years that they still want to hang out with mom and dad. And uh, this could be something really cool that we want to do. So it was, that was probably what kicked us off in doing short-term rentals first. Um, where it goes from there, I mean, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it as the conversation goes on, but uh, that's, that's kind of where this whole thing started. Awesome. That's, that's interesting. That's actually how it started for me. I mean, I was in real estate investing for I've, I've now it's been 22 years, but when I really started being attracted to the short-term rental game, it was because my kids were young and they were, and I remember at the time, Idaho, which I live in Utah. So Idaho is a neighboring state and we would see all their tourism campaigns and they ran a, they ran an ad campaign called 18 summers. And the whole point of it, it was, it was these, it was, it would show you all these, you know, Hey, you've only got 18 summers with the kids and all these different times and memories that you could be creating. And uh, that's, it's funny. That's what actually started my journey into short-term rentals was the kids thinking, okay, I want, I only have so much time. And, and even those 18 summers, they're probably only going to think I'm cool for less than half of that. So they're, (laughs) they're, they're, I got to take advantage of it and and, uh, do I can, but it's, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's actually what kind of really started kind of springboarding the, uh, at the time springboarded me into this asset class as well. So it, it was, that's interesting. So so you started like kind of thinking about that and more, like you said, on the, as, as maybe supplementing a, a vacation home and then possibly adding some other stuff, but you're starting to run down that road. What does, you know, what does that look like? Cause I know there's a lot of noise out there, right? There's a lot of things myself. I'm, I'm one of them, right? I, I'm popping up in people's Facebook feeds and everything else all the time, like everybody else is. And so that can be sometimes a little bit difficult to navigate through as well. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. And um, so so we so anyway so we I probably started thinking about this type of stuff shortly but fall 2017 ish didn't do anything about it uh, right off the bat um, you know we had everything else is going on yep. second born uh, working on the business and obviously just life's busy um, fast forward a couple of years pandemic hits and even then when the pandemic first hit you know I wasn't thinking about it I surely wasn't thinking about I'm going to go buy a house when, you know, everything is just going south and just nobody knows what's going on in the world spinning. So, um, but things kind of, you know, settled out where they did. And I, um, I really started looking into it. So uh, like I said, it was March, 2020. I probably started looking into it a few months into that, you know, uh, May, June, July, 2020 there. And you're right. I mean, there is no shortage of information out there. I, and I listened to, you know, every podcast I can get my hands on, uh, read any article I could find. And, you know, there's only so much time in the day, uh, especially when you want to make sure you're spending time with family, you know, there's stuff that I want to do personally and whatever else. And so, you know, ultimately what it came down to is I, I was at this point in my life now that I, I was motivated to do something. Um, 
Unfortunately for me, so is everybody else during the early days of the pandemic. Uh, so obviously prices went up and things like that. But at that stage, I was concerned. I wanted to, I wanted to learn. I wanted to figure out what I was doing. I wanted to get my head around it because, you know, while I felt comfortable with some aspects of the financial markets, to be able to put that kind of a down payment down and make that kind of commitment or whatever, I, I had to get my head around it. And I couldn't just jump into it and say, I'll throw something on Airbnb and hope it works out. So um, I, I started learning a lot, and I'm sure it was during that stage that I was with the podcast and doing internet searches that your your Facebook stuff popped up. And you know, as a uh, as a as a skeptical New Englander, I was uh, I definitely kind of put it off at first. I was like, no, 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 I'm not I'm not joining the course, I'm not doing this. But um, you know, I, I kind of came around on that a little bit. And I think I didn't, uh, you know, whatever. Took the link, watched a couple videos, and I did an introductory call with I think Amy. If yep. I remember correctly, and then I did a call with you, and um, you know, obviously came across much as you do in these podcasts, just you know, uh, level-headed, easy to talk to, and whatever. And you know, I just kind of came around to the idea that, look, you know, I only have so much time in the day. It's something I want to do, and um, this is an investment that will help me accelerate the learning curve here. Yeah. And ultimately, that's what was most important to me. It's like, sure, can I go out there and find all the information myself? Yeah, I can, but am I going to dedicate the time to do that or is that going to kind of fizzle off and, you know, I might end up with no properties down the line. So, um, yeah, obviously after conversations with my wife, I talked to a few friends of mine, like I said, that were in the real estate game and, you know, yeah, uh, just said, all right, I'm, this is the investment I'm going to make and I'm going to do it. Um, so I started down that road, started doing all those, you know, the online courses you have and screen shares. And I remember those days, obviously the pandemic. So we're all home, you know, 24 hours a day. And at the time, my son wasn't really talking. And but I was, I went through your, you know, eight week course and whatever, probably two or three weeks. And um, the constant voices in the house were me, my wife, my daughter, and you, uh, <laughs> constantly coming through. So uh, it was, it was. Um, your son might think he knows me. Like if we meet, I could. He'll be like, I, re I recognize that voice. Yeah, yeah. You guys will be some friends. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So I just, I just took it all in as quick as I could, and. Um, you know, and then, um, you know, kind of, kind of went from there. So, uh, we were, you know, obviously we were doing our coaching calls at the time. Um, and it was really just information gathering. Uh, but like, it was just, it finally came to a head where I was, you know, not only did I have the desire to do it, I had the motivation to do it. And I decided, all right, you know what, any extra free time I have in the day, I'm going to, you know, hammer out a couple hours, uh, just, just learning. Nice. And, and do you remember, at the time, you know, I know, I know one of the big parts of the process is kind of figuring out what our property goals are when we want to make that first acquisition. Do you remember how much time you were like, were you in a, were you like, Hey, I'm going to take my time on this. I have, I want to buy this within three months. I want to give myself a year. Like, do you remember it? I don't know, even know if you, you know, do you remember I, what that looked like? I don't remember exactly what I wrote on there. I'll have to go back and I saved everything. I'll have to go back and dig it up. Um, I think it was probably pretty quick. You know, I yeah. knew you, you were, were pretty motivated then. Yeah. I was pretty motivated because there are a couple of things that I knew um, was, you know, first of all, prices were going up and up and up. Right. And I felt uh, obviously nobody, now nobody knows what's going to happen with future rent prices. I didn't even know what was going to happen back then. I, I knew places were getting more expensive. I knew there wasn't a lot more market. Places were coming up and I was, you know, on the, the Redkins and the Zillows and all that type of stuff. And I was looking at that constantly. I just didn't know how to identify yeah. what the purchase would be. So I just, I wanted to be as quick as possible. I wanted to be able to look at that type of thing and say, okay, this is a go, this is a no-go, what have you. But it was also, 
you know, I knew we were in a, in a very specific time in history that rates were never going to be that low again. And uh, obviously, I didn't have a crystal ball. I didn't know when rates would go up, how fast it would go up, what have you. But it's, historically, I knew they were low. And I, I wanted to try to take advantage of that. So that's why I just tried to study the course as quick as I could. Um, but I'm going to guess I probably probably said three months, maybe six months. But that was just basically trying to allow myself some time to learn. Uh, yeah. What did you, so when did that start? When did you, when did you start that process of learning and, and, you know, figuring out, okay, this is the road I'm going to run down. Now I'm going to make sure the T's are crossed, the I's are dotted to when you actually, when did we end up making that first acquisition? So I joined with Bodicey October of 2020. So about a year, I call it a year and a half ago. Um, and I started, I probably looked at my first property I mean, I actually looked at my, started looking at my first properties uh, with realtors I mean, right away uh, the next month. And if I saw something I liked, I would have jumped on it and quite honestly figured it out. Um, which I'm not, I'm not saying that's the best approach to take, but that's kind of where I was at the time. Um, that said, uh, we kind of moved markets in terms of what, what our target was. And I, I can go into kind of where we are and what yeah, we're Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to hear how you kind of selected your markets and thought about that. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll come back to that in a second. Yeah. Fast forward, our first acquisition was in May of 21. So we joined in October. Yeah, joined in October 20. First, our first at this point only acquisition was uh, was in May of 21. So roughly seven months, but there were a lot of offers made, you know, in that time period. And, yeah. and then the early, you know, I look back on it, the early offers, I shouldn't say the early showings that we did, uh, we weren't totally impressed with the houses. So we didn't get to the point of doing, you know, offers or anything, but looking back on that time, I, I wasn't ready. You know, I, um, I'm not saying they wouldn't have been good investments because we all know that markets continue to go up since then. And I think it's bailed a lot of people out that maybe, yeah, I agree with you. In the mindset that I had back then, um, whereas I think nowadays, given where prices are going or have gone, where rates are going, underwriting and understanding the deal is just so much more important uh, versus just relying on the market. But that being said, um, we started looking. Uh, we started looking in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, and just because we love the area, um, we would rent ski places up there. Uh, we would go up there in the summertime and. I really, I just, I love the mountains uh, here in New England, just because you get, you get three solid seasons out of them. Yeah. Uh, right now we're kind of the tail end of the ski season. We're going into mud season. You know, there's not a whole lot going on up there. A lot of the, a lot of the people that work locally up there kind of take some time off and yeah. right from the snow because they're so busy uh, during that season. But, you know, ski season's great. Summer's fantastic. Probably very underrated, I think. Um, and then you have the foliage season too. And then you probably have a, a brief kind of off season once the leaves are done, you know, late October into, um, you know, ski season early December. That's kind of a little bit slower too, but, you know, I, I love the seasonality, whereas, you know, and, you know, you can do very well in places up around me. We consider, the, we consider Cape Cod, uh, we consider some of the beaches up in Maine, things like that. And I'm sure people do very well there. Um, it's just going to be much more seasonal. And, um, you know, I like the idea of a place that not only could rent well for three seasons, but that we're going to really enjoy for three seasons. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we first started looking in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Um, and part of this was a function of just what was on the market right then. Just the houses that we saw, we weren't totally in love with. Um, spent some time up there and we would, you know, we would go up there and we would rent someone else's Airbnb. 
and go look at other places and just kind of get a feel for kind of what we think they're doing well, what maybe they're not doing so well, and things like that, and just kind of store all that information to you know use down the road. Um, we bring the kids up there and you learn pretty quickly if a place is really kid friendly or not, you know, that type of stuff. Um, so we just kind of learned a lot just doing that process. And um, over time, though, as we started looking more into it, as I got more and more comfortable with the tools that we have access to, you know, through our DNA, through just some of the calculators that we use, um, I started realizing that there were some other markets that, you know, maybe had a higher price point, but the returns helped justify it. And I always had in the back of my mind, Vermont, right? My wife and I met up there. Uh, for four years, we both skied at Stowe all four years. We have friends that live up in the area. And that was kind of where I wanted to be, but I was always kind of turned off because it's, it is an expensive market um, yeah. compared to some of the other ones here in New England. But when you look at it from the from the standpoint of you know potential rental income and things like that, and you realize the things that a place like a Stowe has, and I, by no means are they the only ones. Um, Certainly, where we're looking in the mountain, in the, uh, the the White Mountains, have this too. But you know, a nice downtown village, right? Um, obviously, a, a really nice ski resort, um, but just tons of activities to do in the summer and the fall. Um, a lot of restaurants, a lot of just different stuff going on. Whether it's golf, hiking, biking, all that type of stuff. Whereas some of the you know ski destinations, which I would be happy with the ski destination, but then it's just kind of there's not much going on there in the off seasons. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of focused us. We were so we, we kind of moved our focus from the Mount Washington, White Mountains area over to Stowe, and then also in Sugarbush, which is up there as well. We just we like we like northern Vermont, and um, I engaged with a realtor up there and uh, started looking. But it was it was tough because there just wasn't a ton of the market. And as we as we narrowed our search, there's obviously just less and less to look at. Um, so it was, it was a game of patience, which um, my wife's better at than I am. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it, it took a bit longer. It was frustrating. Um, you know, it's the type of thing. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, and I, I know you know this. Um, you know, Stowe's a good three and a half hours away from me. A uh, place would come on the market, and you knew it was going to be gone in three to four days. So I had to drop what I was doing, hop in the car, three and a half hours up hopefully see a couple places, maybe just do it for one place, hop in the car, come back down. And that's, that's a 10 hour day. Easy. Yeah. Um, and I'd do it over and over again. And sometimes the places were not at all worth it. Um, sometimes places were great. We just had to make an offer and get really excited, but no matter what, every single time was a learning experience. So yeah. I never, I never drove back, even if the place is horrible, you know, I never drove back being like, man, that's a huge waste of time. I mean, Sure, I had a bunch of stuff waiting for me when I got home that I had to then go deal with, but it was it was all just part of the learning curve. That's uh, yeah, I want to unpack a few things because I think you I think you hit a key a couple key points that I hope people picked up and I hope people um, heard. One, you said you know in the very beginning, even though you were like you're ready to go, you're looking at properties, you might not have been quite ready. Like it was probably a blessing in disguise that you didn't get, you didn't just get to jump into one of the beginning ones, right? Because what we've seen, and I 100% agree with you, is that the markets that we've seen in the last little while really bail people out, right? And, and we've, we've been able to kind of bail ourselves out a little bit with what these markets have done. 
and how they're appreciating at unbelievable rates. And we've had these really low interest rates. Well, the markets are changing a little bit. Now they're still, they're still really low inventory. They're still really, I mean, the supply and demand gap is, is worse than it was when you were looking. And that's, I don't think that's going to stop. So I think that we're going to still see appreciation, but the cost of ownership is going up because now we're not getting, you know, those interest rates that you, we had a year ago. Rates are starting to go up. We're starting to see inflation. All those different things are happening. And so we have to be a little bit, we have to be a little bit careful with the underwriting and analyzing these deals. And so I think that was a really, a really key point. And then also, as you start to say, you know, this, when we start to roll into this acquisition phase where like sometimes patience is not our, you know, some of us don't all have that patience. I'm, I'm with you there, right? Like we, they, it is really a grind in the acquisition phase. And, and anybody that's like, oh man, you're so lucky you got that one. Well, you can, you know, I mean, just listening to it. And I know your story and analyzing all the properties and, and putting the offers on the properties there was a lot of work that went into acquiring this property, right? Like it's not, it's not a bunch of luck, right? There's, you know, 10 hour days driving up to look at one property. There's not a lot of people that do that, right? Or, or they're willing to do that. And so they're saying, and so as you start to listen to this, diving into a game that is, hey, listen, I've, I've really got to understand one, how to analyze deals and two, I've got to be committed to. Like there's a lot of people that ask me right now and when they're, when they're getting into this game, Chris, they're like, hey man, I don't have a lot of time. I just, I just need a, I want this to be a passive investment. And I tell people, this is, this is a game that is very front end loaded as far as your time commitment, right? And because that acquisition phase takes a lot of time, then we'll, we'll talk, I'm sure about the setup, the setup phase that getting the property ready takes a lot of time. And so there's a commitment level before you dive into the short-term rental game, if you want to do it correctly, because that where the markets are at on the acquisition phase is, is, is tough. I'm in the acquisition phase right now. Like I, to your point, you know, like even, uh, you know, year, year and a half ago, when you were diving in and thinking about this, you're like, man, I'm kind of in a rush. I want to do this because I've got low rates. I know that properties are going up. I know the supply and demand gap is wide, which, which is, you know, they're going to be more expensive tomorrow than they are today. I'm in that game right now playing it. And it's, and it's like, man, you just have to, you have to have some staying power. You've got to, you got to feel like, okay, I'm in this for the long call because you don't know if you're going to get one today or if you're going to get one two months from now. And, or if the right property is even going to present itself sometimes in some of these markets, like up in the white mountains, you weren't, you just weren't finding the right properties. And so you're able to shift some markets that still fit some of your needs. You know, Stowe's a bigger market, um, arguably, you know, like it, probably one of the, the premier, Eastern ski resorts, right? It is, is so, so, but you're going to pay for that a little bit, but then you've got the returns, but you understood that enough at that stage in the game to be able to make some of those decisions. Instead in the very beginning, you might've just looked at Stowe as a more expensive market, right? And, and not have understood why it made sense to even go look at that. So let's, so, so really good points. That I just kind of wanted to, to highlight that I hope that people heard as you're, as you're running down that road in that acquisition. So, making those offers, getting something accepted, probably it feels like, I mean, that, that acceptance just feels like you're like, I just want to celebrate. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the way that happened was, um, so, so I have a realtor uh, at this point, I am, I'm focused on Stowe. you know, that's where I want to be. I'm sure there were times in there that I was getting frustrated with the lack of inventory. So I expand my search, but in my heart, I always wanted to be there. So, um, and we looked at some places, I think we probably put in 
uh, four or five offers. And, you know, I, we were aggressive with the offers. It's not like we were putting in offers at asking. Yeah. Um, one thing is, you know, we were coming in with financing. Um, you know, we were doing a 10% down second home loan. And, you know, by its nature, that put us a little bit lower on the totem pole versus the cash offer. So we knew we were always having to be aggressive. So we were, we were going over asking and I worked closely with the realtor on that. And, you know, it didn't work out for a few of them. But again, you know, in, in hindsight, and I can say this now, people, well, people told me, you probably told me this too, don't worry, the right place is somewhere around, you know, it'll, it'll work out. And I, mean, I remember being frustrated when we were buying some of our, our primary homes, you know, before this and, you know, losing out here and there. And that market was nowhere near as competitive as what we're in today. Um, for whatever reason, that, that held true. Um, and, you know, I look back at some of those other places we made offers on and I'm, I'm very happy where we are now. So what happened was we were looking for your kind of your, your prototypical ski cabin, right? You know, a frame yeah. cabin in the woods, maybe with a view, like, you know, what you kind of think of uh, with some of these ski towns. And that obviously got hard to do, A, between low inventory, B, just because of price. And I wasn't really exploring too many of the condos. Um, I wanted to avoid, you know, the sizable condo fees for one. And, I didn't really want to deal with the HOAs, what have you, but we started looking and we realized that there was, we went and we looked at one, one condo. It's really, it's really more of a townhouse than a condo. And I'm, I'm sure you did a property analysis on it with me. And uh, when I actually ran the numbers on it, because of its location, it's much closer to the resort. Um, it has really good amenities and the condo fees aren't terrible, at least for the area. So I got, I got really excited about it. Yeah. And we put an aggressive offer in there. That was actually, you know, my realtor told me that, you know, I, I think, I forget what it was. This is going to be the high offer. I went 5K over what my realtor told me to do. So I, I want this place. Um, we were told, I think we were, the, you know, number two or number three out of 12 offers that he got. Um, there was some back and forth at the end of it. But at the end of the day, we lost it. We lost it. We didn't get it. Um, and I can only guess, I never really found out. I, I saw it ultimately when it closed, what it went for, and it wasn't substantially over where we were, maybe 5K. Yeah. Um, I can only guess it was probably 5K in cash for them just to not even want to negotiate anymore. But anyways, long story short, that one was disappointing because all of a sudden my, my, my eyes opened up. Like, you know, hey, these condos can work. And, you know, I don't need to be in a million dollar plus range for these, you know, big, gorgeous A-frame homes. You know, we can make the condo work. And so... Uh, I remember having some conversations with you and saying, you know, all right, hey, how do we go about, I wanted to call every owner in that development, right? I wanted to go about this and kind of talk about how we can frame it. I was going to send out letters and do phone calls and do skip tracing and do all the stuff. And uh, I called my realtor the next day and, you know, told him what I wanted to do. And he said, no, 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 no. I'm going to do that for you. Uh, and even, even though he said that to me, I was like, Okay, sure, go ahead, but I'm still going to do it myself. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't trust anybody to do what I want. To, I want to make sure that's done. Yeah, sure enough, he and, and his team reached out to every place uh, over the phone. I think they also sent out a letter, and you know, we have kind of identified the price point for these places between six fifty and seven fifty, depending on you know size and where it was and things like that. And sure enough, you know, you get a couple of people that'll come back and say, sure, you know, give me a million bucks and you can have it. And thanks, but yeah. no thanks. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but he did uncover a few people that were in different stages of their life, right? They had, you know, grown kids, they weren't using it as much. Anyways, it was a, a couple that he found that they had just started putting it on as a short-term rental, but 
you know, they hadn't really updated it in a while. The furniture was a little bit older. The pictures were just kind of there. Yeah. Uh, they used property manager, which obviously helped them get some bookings, um, but they by no means really maximizing the place. And, um, you know, they came in with a, they, they verbally kind of gave us an indication on price that was closer to where we were looking. And we came in, we, we looked at the place, uh, obviously, you know, we're talking an off-market deal. So we know we're not in competition yet. Obviously, yeah. they could have put it on the market anytime they wanted to. Um, but we looked at it and we're like, okay, well, it just needed some updating, right? It just needed mostly cosmetic stuff, which we were comfortable with. I wasn't looking for a, you know, gut job overall type of thing. And... Um, so we came in a little bit lower than what they had initially kind of verbally said and they didn't counter. They accepted their, while well, their counter was, this is, so this is in May of 21. Their counter was, we'll accept the offer, but we can't close until the end of August. We want it for the whole summer. Fun. Um, you know, to me, in that market, in this market, we weren't in a position to negotiate. Um, and in a way that was money, right? Because we were losing out on almost the entire summer worth of rent, but I kind of calculated it out. I said, okay, well, they could have given us to it now, but pushed our price up 30K and I probably still would have accepted, right? So it was it was an easy answer. It was an easy answer for me. Uh, so we said yes and signed it and got it done. Um, and, um, and, and honestly, everything was very amicable. Uh, we were able to get an inspection which I know a lot of people out there are waiving inspections. And on the first condo, when we were trying to make our offer more competitive, I did waive inspection on that offer. Because it was a condo, we knew how old some of the systems were and we felt a little more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but we were also putting offers on single family houses and not one of them did I waive the inspection. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get comfortable with that. I know what's yeah. going on out there. I know we were up against it. And maybe that's part of the reason why we lost some of these offers. But that was just something I was not willing to do. So here we are now with an offer that we were able to make, do an inspection on the inspection, sure enough, came up with some um, some water damage. There was some stuff with the siding where water was getting behind the siding and kind of causing some mold issues and whatever. And so we got that remediated and they helped pay for part of it. Um, everything was very amicable. Um, and it was just, uh, it, was, it was nice to be able to do that, you know, when everything else is just such a, such a dog fight trying to get offers accepted. Oh, and it's great that your, your agent was willing to do that. And I would, uh, to your point, I would felt like, yeah, I, that's, that's going to be something I'm going to have to do, right? This is going to, this is going to fall on my shoulders where they rolled up their sleeves and made some phone calls and, and made it happen. Off-market deals are, you know, there are, there are a decent number of off-market deals to be had. If you're, if you're willing to do some of that stuff, you, it, it's all contacting people, talking to them and being able to say, are you willing to, and to your point, you're going to get a lot of that. Sure. I'll sell it at this price. And it doesn't, it's not going to make sense, but once in a while you, you find those people that are like you said, they're easy to work with. They are in different stages. They, you know, make sense for them to get rid of a house or sell it and it can work out for everybody. And you're not competing with a whole bunch of other people. And and it, and to your point on the inspections, right? We're and and I just wanted to, for those of you listening, one of the strategies that we do um, with inspections is we will waive our inspection, um, like where we'll we like I never I've never bought a property where I didn't do an inspection, but I waive my inspection, like the right to go back to the seller based on the inspection all the time, right? My inspection contingency. 
but I, what I do is I still do the inspection. I just am not going to ask the seller to remedy anything. I just want to know what I'm walking into, right? I want to know exactly what I'm doing, but um, because 99% of the time in my, in my experience has most of the time I'm, I'm going to go through with the deal, but that 1% of the time that there's something really major I'm going to, I'm going to walk away from the 10 grand or the whatever 15 grand, or even, even sometimes more than that in earnest money. If I find something super major that I'm like, Hey, I can't, I can't do this. You know, it's a, it's a, it, this is a deal killer for me because when you, if you found a, a foundation issue or something major that you're like, man, this is going to be a really, really expensive fix. I need to still know that, or I want to still know that. And so I usually will waive those inspection contingencies. So I can't go by the basically saying, I'm not going to go back and renegotiate with the seller on based on an inspection, but I still want to do an inspection. Right. And so um, that's what we'll do a lot of times because uh, to your point, I'm, I'm with you. I, it's, it, I feel like it's way too risky to buy a property without actually going doing an inspection. And even if you find stuff like you found the, the siding with the, that had some water damage and mold and things like that, those, those, those things can be remedied and you want to walk into it with your eyes wide open. Right. And, and so that's uh, yeah, great. Uh, and and off market deals, man, they can be, sometimes they're just a breath of fresh air because you just get, you just get wore out in the acquisition phase. My brother's right now, this last weekend, my brother's in the acquisition phase and we're trying to get him something. He finally was like, I I sent him a property. I'm like, Hey, this one looks like it fits your property goals. Let's, let's, you know, let's check this one out. Let's run the numbers. And he was like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. He's like, that one's going to sell for a hundred thousand over ask. And He's like, I can't compete with it. I just, I don't want to do it. And I have to like talk him off the fence to say, hey, you're, you, we still need to find you a property. We still need to do this. And so let's get into the game. And, and ultimately we were really aggressive. We, we, I mean, we ended up having the, we were competing with cash offers. There was like 15 offers. We put a not, bunch of non-refundable down right when, when they accepted the offer, all these different things that we had to do to be aggressive, but he got the property. He's, he's under contract and he was ready to say, I'm done, you know, I'm walking away from this. And so, um, you know, it, it is a grind, but what a relief when you get one that goes through and you're excited about it. And so this, so we went from the single family. Now we've got the, the, the condo. And the nice thing about condos, a lot of times, and probably when you're looking at this, just start with those of you listening is, a lot of times they're closer to the action. You know, they've got usually have some nice amenities, but a lot, but, but really they're usually a lot closer to like, in this case, probably the, you know, the village area, the ski hill versus some of the other like single family cabins in the woods type of a thing. You're usually a lot closer to the action, which is, which is a nice bonus as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, the, I knew the area well, right? We, like I said before, we skied there all through college. We probably went up there, maybe not every winter, but we went up there a lot over the past I've been out of college for 20 years now. Um, now that said, and I always knew this development was there. What I didn't know before I got into this whole process was what that meant in terms of rental income. And that I learned not just from Airbnb, but actually talking to the property managers, um, interviewing property managers up there. And we, we use a full-time, full, I should say full-service property manager. And it was talking to them and you know, getting kind of their assessments on this single family house over here in the woods versus these condos here and understanding how much, you know, when you, when you compare the, the, the purchase price to the you know, annual revenue you can expect, just how much better that ratio was being close to the mountain. 
But you're talking about, so everybody listen, you're talking about how much bigger of a, bigger of a difference the proximity to the amenities makes in, yeah. in your revenue. Yeah. Correct. And, you know, it was like, uh, if you were that cabin out in the yeah. woods, in yeah. order to compete, you needed to have something over and beyond, you know, what the condo can offer. Maybe it's that amazing view or yeah. some, something else that you're offering. And um, that's really what opened my eyes, um, you know, and um, working with local property managers that just obviously know the, the market better than I do at that stage, still know the market better than I do, um, and just relying on them. And, you know, I know you talk about it all the time in the course and probably in this podcast too, is the importance of the team. But I mean, we wouldn't have this place if it wasn't for our realtor doing, going above and beyond and doing what we did. Um, we had some issues with our lender in this, with it being a condo. And I actually listened to one of your recent, um, recent podcasts and I know this came up with somebody else recently, um, doing a second, a 10% down second home loan on a condo. That became an issue where our lender was able to make it a portfolio loan and effectively make it a non-issue for us, right? Yeah. We had, we had a realtor that went above and beyond, a lender that went above and beyond, and our property manager has been fantastic. We actually used the same property manager that the prior owner that was kind of like okay, yeah. the market. And, you know, this was, we were closing in late August, but, you know, August, September, October is a fantastic time up there. You have, you have still summer, you have foliage season coming up, and you have wedding season up there. Uh, and this, where this condo is, there's a big hotel there. They do weddings, so naturally a lot of people want to stay right there. They can walk home. Yeah. You know, transportation, all that type of stuff. So wedding season's a big deal up there. So we wanted to obviously keep those bookings. Um, so it was kind of, when we actually closed in the place, we did, first of all, we did a virtual closing where we just signed a power of attorney and our, our attorney took care of it, our closing attorney took care of it up there. Uh, we were, I think we were actually on vacation down at the beach in Rhode Island. And I just get an email that our place is ours. Um, so we celebrated a little bit, but we couldn't even go up to our condo and use it because it was rented for the next you know week and a half or whatever it was. So we kind of had a, a delayed celebration getting up there and being able to use it. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was all, it was just using and understanding what all the team can do and just understanding that in, in everyone's area of expertise, they know more than you do. And just once you can establish that trust and that rapport with them, just kind of let them do their thing um, to be fair, I asked a ton of questions. I injected myself as, as much as I could in it just because I wanted to learn and I wanted to understand it. But, you know, it's just trusting them and not trying to force things that I think I know, but it's, it's really, it's their profession at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I, that's one thing that I talk about that's a little different than a lot of people is, you know, that I'm a big proponent of finding those, those full service property managers that really make our lives easier because, I, you know, we just talked about how hard the acquisition is, the setup phase, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. I want to hear what you did to set it up. But then with a good team and the property management team on the back end, they can become very passive investments, right? I tell people all the time on my properties, I have full service property managers. I love the local boutique companies that and the ones that very much understand that market. And I look at my PL at the end of each month and I look at the calendar when I want to go use my property. So now I'll put the work on the front end, spend the time I need to necessary on the front end. But once I own it and once I have a really great team in place on the back end, they can become very passive investments. It sounds like that's a that's been your experience as well with this one. It's getting more passive, still not as passive as, as I've Okay, right. let's hear let's hear about that. So um so we close on it late, late August, 
there's a bunch of rentals already in place and we want to keep those, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's money in the pocket right off the bat. Um, so, and, I, and we don't want to, you know, upset any uh, potential return guests, right? So we're happy to keep, keep those rentals coming in. And um, meanwhile, um, so even before we close in August, uh, we engaged with an interior designer who actually met through the Odyssey program. Uh, another example of just kind of building a team out and, and having people help you in areas that you're not experts in. My, my wife is definitely much better than I am on the design stuff and she, she does some great, great work and she's done great stuff in our place. But we can sit there in our house and it can take us months to do anything, right? Yeah. You're constantly looking at it and think of every different alternative you can do where it's, all right, we're closing here in August. Uh, I want this place like as, as done, as ready as possible before the ski season. So we got to make decisions fast. And as was the case back then, is very much the case right now. Getting contractors on a short timeline is, is extremely hard to do. Yeah. Um, so we started engaging with the, with the interior designer ahead of time. You know, a lot of and it was all remote, doing stuff, you know, FaceTime and, and what have you. Um, so we had an idea on where we wanted to go. Uh, but that's, that's, that's probably one of the biggest things I can say is that at least in our situation where we knew we had a short timeline, hiring the interior designer was the best decision we made. Um, a, we love her work and, and we love the end product that is still not quite an end product. We're still working on it, but, um, just the fact of, you know, it's not Jess and I without a design background, hemming and hawing over 50,000 different color options at the Benjamin Moore store. It was, Hey, here's, here's a handful of options. What do you like best? Boom, yeah. we have this one, let's move on and work with somebody who has kind of that end vision in mind that I have a blockage for, I, I don't see it until somebody puts it in front of me. Um, so that was huge. And that just helped kind of give us the path to go down. So we knew what we wanted. Um, so we left it on the, on the market as a rental, as it was, didn't change almost anything in the place um, until probably mid to late October. You know, most of the leaves were kind of falling. We might've pulled it a, a weekend earlier than we otherwise would have, but we took it off the market and it go. And I had a contractor in there that weekend. Uh, I, so I should say I lined up the contractors and stuff ahead of time. But I, I kind of played general contractor on it myself in the sense that I'm I'm not I'm not the one swinging the hammer, I'm not doing the work. But um, my initial goal was to hire a GC and just say, you do it all, you figure out the tile guy, you figure out the flooring person and all this different stuff. And that just wasn't coming together for me. And so basically I said, all right, look, um, I got some guy to do the demo and then I found the tile person. Uh, actually, not that true. Um, I kind of found the tile person, but I found everyone else. I found the, um, the guy to do the new countertops, the stone. Uh, I found someone to refinish the hardwood floors. I found the papers. Um, and it fell back on me to just do the coordinating, um, which it was, that's all it was. it was. It was hard coordinating because obviously, you know, everybody's kind of got their own schedules and can, you can push and pull as much as you want, but it's you trying to get things done, but also trying to not upset anybody along the way. Um, so we pushed through and pushed through and pushed through. And, you know, for the most part, everything was going around going very smoothly. Um, and the last piece of the puzzle was the painters. We were, we were painting the entire interior. So at this point, we all knew uh, quartz countertops put in, we uh, sanded and we stained all the hardwood floors replace some of the vanities in the bathrooms. Um, we did some other kind of demo work, moving some closets around, some other minor stuff, and it was time for the painters to come in. And we were on vacation in Hawaii, uh, my wife and I, which is 
you know, this is November, it's a terrible time to take a vacation because everything was coming to a head here with the property, but we don't get away much with the And you're in Hawaii. If you're going to be, if you're going to take it. I'm right. not at all complaining. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it was stressful. Yeah. Um, I get a call from the painter. We were actually at the Pearl Harbor uh, Museum there and walking around the grounds outside. Really cool spot. And I see the call coming in. I normally wouldn't have taken it, but I saw who it was. I knew we were in crunch time. We actually, and we actually agreed to allow renters for Thanksgiving weekend. So here we are maybe a week and a half before Thanksgiving and painter calls and essentially tells me his entire staff quit on him. Picked up and went to join someone else. Oh. He was he was upset, but he said, listen, you know, I, I get it. If you want it, and I already gave him a 50% deposit. He's like, hey, if you want your money back, I get it. I said, no, I, I, that's the last thing I want. I, I don't want my money back. I want the job done. And he's like, listen, he's like, he's like, does your HOA allow me to work nights? I know some HOAs have rules and whatever. And truth be told, I didn't know if I did. And I said, no. Um, I said, I'll, I'll be the one that gets my hand slapped. And I, I did check with our property manager after the fact. I didn't find anything about it. So I said, go to work. I'm like, just don't play any loud music and do what you have to do. And he cobbled together a team of some other painters that kind of wanted some extra cash on the side. And they were working through the night at our place. And they didn't get everything done. Um, but I, we all agreed that, all right, get what you can get done, fix the rooms where my, where my contractor like demoed it and it was just plain drywall, you know, get those rooms done and wherever you can finish with a clean stop, finish there. So that the people coming in on Thanksgiving don't know what they don't know. And they walked in and when I would look at an IC unfinished project, they come in and it looks more updated than the photos were when they booked it. Yeah. But they don't know that I'm still painting the whole upstairs that didn't get done yet, you know? So, um, so, so it worked out. And then, you know, the, I guess the downside was we had to pull it back off the market after Thanksgiving pretty much up until Christmas so they could finish their job. Um, but, you know, got it done and that's not a huge income generating time. So, I mean, it was, it was stressful. It was trying to get stuff done, but uh, it got done. Um, I, I had to involve getting my friends up there and doing some road trips on the weekends and, you know, paying them and, and dinner and drinks to, to <laughs> furniture and do all the type of stuff that we used to do like in the years after college. I thought, I thought we were done asking our friends to help us move, but I, uh, I employed every tactic I could um, to get the place ready to go. And um, basically from, from the, uh, the Christmas break through the winter, it's been, it's been passive in the sense that uh, it's, it's been booking very well, right? We haven't had an extended period of time to go up there, but we are also using it a lot ourselves. Yeah. And, um, and that was the goal all along, right? It, it, this was never about how much money can I make? It was, hey, I have to come with a cost, but I want to use it. And so we used it. I think we did a long weekend in January. We did a full week in February. We did two weekends in March. Uh, we definitely got our use in what is arguably the high season. But every time I go up there, there's always something to tinker with. There's always right. something, you know, assembling some piece of furniture. Um, but it's, it's been awesome. Uh, we've had friends come up with us, family come up with us. And it's, you know, we go up there and I kind of look around and, you know, friends and family are all hanging around laughing, having a good time, kids are running around playing. And that was the vision all along. That that's what we wanted. And, um, yeah, it took a lot of work to get there to your point. But, you know, we're there and there's still a few projects I want to do. But, you know, it's, it's, it's where we want it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Congrats on that, by the way, in the, the getting it all done and launching and like kind of getting all that done 
going into a peak season. Like a lot of people think that's what they like. That's like ideal. It's like, oh yeah, get my property and I'm going to launch during the peak season. It's actually not ideal. That actually can be really stressful because there's, when you start having people coming in and out all the time, you're, I mean, it's really hard to coordinate. Um, and, and so it can be really stressful. So I'm glad you guys are able to use it as well, as much as you are. And to your point, yeah, every time you go, you're going to find a little, little thing. You're still in that. I always tell them, give yourself six to nine months to get through that kind of that setup phase where everything starts starting to fire on all cylinders. And then, and then you really worry about that maximize phase, right? So you're still right in the middle of all that. And, uh, and, it, and so the nice thing is the lights now at the end of the tunnel, because you get, it, it's enjoyable to own and, it, and it's fun to own and it's starting to start to produce, which is awesome. So congrats on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd also, I gotta give my wife credit on this one. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, we had that time where we signed a purchase and sale in, in May and we couldn't close until August. I had my contractor lined up. I had my we had the interior designer lined up. I mean, I was ready just to, to buy everything. Before before we even closed, I just wanted to go go go. My wife was the the more sane one and saying, "No, we, we got to spend a weekend up there. We got to spend time in the place and just get a feel for it." Oh, smart! Oh man, I'm glad you mentioned that. That is so smart. Yeah. So so she was 100 right on that, uh, which we did, and it was being there for the weekend and just looking around, saying, "You know what? That initial idea we had, uh, no, we're not going to do that here. It's not going to work because of this and." And that wasn't just, it wasn't just going up there that one weekend and doing that. It's every time we've gone up, it's sitting around and kind of looking around and just getting that feel for it. Um, so that, that was huge. So, I mean, to your point, uh, in hindsight, uh, I think, you know, buying, buying a place now so that we had the entire month season, you know, to, to do all this and figure that out and not be so rushed, um, I don't know if the end product, the end result would have been any different, but it would have been a lot less stressful and yeah. just a lot easier to uh, to just get things coming together. Awesome, man! I'm glad you made that point. It is so you can make so many decisions on Zoom and FaceTime and everything else, right? When you're walking through or or just from pictures online, and then you go, but there before you make any big buying decisions, go spend a weekend up there and see where what you need and what you feel like. Like there's just a different you make different decisions when you do that. So man, I'm glad you brought that up because we don't talk about that a lot and uh, that doesn't come up a lot of times. And so that's, that's a, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll miss Jess on the, on the podcast, but she, she had a big contribution there because that's uh, that's an important lesson for people. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Chris, listen, we're, uh, I know your time is super valuable and I, I want to respect it, but I also, I, I love to end with one question. And um, that question always is, if you could go back from the very to the very beginning and give yourself after going through that process and give yourself one piece of advice, what would what would that be? Do you have anything that comes to mind that you'd like to tell yourself from the very beginning? Um, I mean, I guess there's there's probably a couple of things. Um, one is just is just don't lose don't lose hope and, and keep the faith. And everybody will tell you that, right? It's, yeah. it's easy, easier said than done. When you're losing offers. Um, when just you're not finding places, when you're just seeing prices go up and up and up, it's easy to get frustrated, kind of like what you were just saying with your brother. Yeah. Um, but if this is something you truly want to do, for whatever reason, financially or for your family or whatever, just don't lose faith because it will, if you want it to happen, it, it will happen. Um, even as prices get more expensive, even as interest rates go up, um, to our point, I think when we started this conversation, you got to be careful. You can't just rely on the market to bail you out, but there's still a lot of opportunities out there. And yeah. 
stay the course, put your head down, do your research, understand what you're doing. And once you once you have that basic amount of knowledge, I'm, you know, I'm still relatively new at this, right? I, I know what I know. I don't know what I don't know. Um, but I know a whole lot more now than I did a year and a half ago when I started this whole thing. And it's that knowledge that enabled me to feel confident going in and making these aggressive offers, right? Because um, if I made an aggressive offer before, it would have been dumb luck. But I also it could I also it could have gone completely the other way. Whereas all the aggressive offers I made, I made knowing that I'm going to be happy if they accept this, right? They had a like a a reason behind the aggressive offer, right? You you knew why you were being aggressive, and 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 how aggressive you could be. Yep. Man, that's a, that's a, this has been a great story. This has been a good, uh, a good conversation that I, I looked at the, the clock a minute ago when we were talking I'm like, man, we're, uh, <laughs> we're running out of time, but this has been awesome. I really appreciate you spending the time with us and sharing your story. I know how valuable it is for so many people listening. And uh, like we were talking about before, even before we even started and just, this is almost like paying it forward, right? You heard some of our, some of our members that were here, you know, a year and a half ago when you listened to some of their stories. So I, I really appreciate you doing that and, and sharing that, that journey that you and Jess have had and, and just going to continue to have. So I'm excited to, to be a part of that with you as well. And uh, we're going to, we were just talking, we're going to see you here shortly in June in our Odyssey live event, but uh um, thanks again. And anything else that, that I, that I didn't cover that we should have covered? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, thanks for doing this. And, uh, you know, thanks for giving me the path to run down. I mean, that, that's really what got, what got me here. It's just, you know, I'm, uh, you can get stuck when there's just all this information out there. You don't know where to go, but give me a path to run down. And I can run down with anybody. And, and that's, that's essentially what this was. And so thanks for that. And, uh, thanks for this time here. It was, um, it was fun and hopefully it helped someone out. Awesome, man. It, it will definitely help somebody out. I promise you that. And I enjoyed the time as well. And I, I, I always tell you guys, thanks for letting me be a part of that process with you. So for those of you listening, as always, thank you so much for joining us. We don't ask anything for, well, we don't log you down with a whole bunch of ads on these podcasts or these episodes, but we do ask um, if you get any value out of this and you think somebody could get out any, any value out of hearing this, share it, like it, leave us a review, whatever you, uh, you know, those things do help us on all these platforms as we try to get our message out there. And then as always, I always leave you with one last final thing. And I challenge you to go do one thing that you can do today to start building that life that you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodicey.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.